Try that again. Good morning, everybody. I'm excited to be with you as always, and uh, we are going to uh, be doing something a little different this Sunday morning. Uh, If you haven't noticed already, there's a few extra babies in here, and they're normally not in here around this time. And so uh, we are going to have a time where we do a family dedication or a child dedication. And uh, I want to take just a moment to explain a little bit about that, then we're going to explain how it's going to roll. So just briefly, we're going to have a few families that are going to come up in a minute, and we are going to... uh, pray over them. We're going to read scripture over them. We're going to talk about the importance of our leading those children to become disciples of Jesus. And then we're going to have a time for those families to make vows to one another, to the Lord, to this church, especially to those kids before the Lord. And then at the end, you ready for this? I'm going to ask you, church, brothers and sisters in Christ, to vow with us to care for and lead these children because you know it takes a village, right? And so we're going to do that together. So be ready for that time when it's your time to stand with us and vow with one another to pray over these children and be there for these families. Uh, I'm going to be helped a little bit today by a couple of folks. If you guys know, Charles is our associate pastor and Tracy, who's our minister to children and young families. And uh, so we're going to have them uh, come on up here now. And uh, she's going to call up our families. Why don't you do that and introduce our families and then we'll have you guys just... You want to set them up here or down there? Yeah, whatever is easiest. Maybe down here so that you can make a fast exit in case of an emergency. (laughs) (laughs) We never quite know how these are going to go. But if it's okay, I'd like to take just a minute before I call you up to explain um, just how grateful we are um, for you. We're grateful that you as parents have decided to dedicate your children to the Lord. That's not by any means some magical prayer that you pray that ensures that your child will always follow the Lord, but it is on your part um, a commitment that says we know the value of raising our children in faith and in scripture and in a family of believers who will pray and support them. And I want to tell you on our part as your church um, that our commitment is to do the same. We want to be a support We want to love you guys. Um, We want to pray for you. We want to be um, the place where you can vent when you're having a hard day. Um, Parenting is the hardest gig I've ever had. I don't know about you guys. Um, But we want to be there for you in every way possible. Um, And we also have a few small gifts we're going to give you today. Um, One is a a Bible that is for babies. It's kind of a soft, feely Bible, their first taste of the Word of God, which is powerful. And... Um, Another small gift that we'd like to give you today is a homemade blanket made by um, a woman in our church who has prayed over every blanket she's sewn, and she wants each of your babies to grow up with that. And then another gift that we'd like to give you today, and this is a brand new thing, but um, we recognize that children are given as a gift from the Lord. Um, They're not ours. (laughs) We steward them for God, but they're his. And in an envelope is a letter I've written to your child. Um, I'd like for you not to open it until they become um, a teenager and they go on their first mission trip. And in that letter, and hopefully they'll go on many before they're a teenager, but when they go on that first one where they have to raise support and be able to go serve the Lord, um, in, in that envelope is a letter that I'd like for you to give them that I wrote. And uh, it'll accompany a savings bond that our church has given. It's just a small investment, but it's an investment that says one day 
this child is going to serve the Lord. And just like your child's going to grow and mature, that bond will grow and mature. And on the day when they're ready to be called by God to go tell people about him, um, we want you to know that that's our heart too. We, we look forward to that day and we support them. So let's go ahead and introduce everyone. Um, first up, we have um, Brooks Paul Armstrong. Brooks had a handful of hair this morning that we weren't sure we were going to get him unattached from. Um, his parents are Tyler and Ryan. I know that many of you know them well. Tyler is our student minister. And Brooks was born on December 18th, 2018. And if you're a family member who's here to support them or a friend who's vowing just to pray for this sweet baby, would you guys stand up with me? And can we just support them together? Thank you. And you guys stay right there. We'll call up everyone. You can have a seat. Next is Lane Bedford Forrest. And Lane is the son of Julie and Josh Forrest. And his sweet brother Gage is with him today. And um, he is born, he was born on April 30th, 2018. And we love this sweet family. If you are here and you're just saying, I will pray for them, I will pray for Lane and support him as he grows up, would you stand up and let them see your faces? Thank you, you guys. Thank you. And next is Clayton Ray Witt, our youngest in the bunch. He's an itty-bitty thing. I'll give him some time to, to come up. Clayton is the son of Cody and Jessica Witt, and he was born on March 22nd, 2019, just a few weeks ago. If you're here to support the Witt family and you're just willing to pray for him as he grows up and support them, would you stand up and let them see your faces? Thank you. You can have a seat. And last but not least is our lone girl. Uh, It's Natalie Elizabeth Taylor. You guys can bring Natalie up. She's the daughter of Richard and Brooke Taylor, and she has quite the support in her immediate family. (laughs) They have Jordan, Addison, Jackson, and Benjamin Taylor, who, as you can tell, adore Addie. Um, Adore Natalie. And her birthday was January 10th, 2017. And if you're here and you're willing to just pray for Natalie as she grows up and support the Taylor family, would you stand up and let them see your faces? Thank you. Okay, and I believe Thomas is going to lead us in a time of prayer and dedication. Yep. I mean, isn't it great to see all these little ones? The Lord has given us such blessings in so many ways in our faith family here, and one of those ways is in these children that we can care for and love on. And I promise you, as a parent of five, that we need your help. (laughs) So please be praying for these children, for these families, for all of our children in this church. Uh, We need much more than what we can do. We need the Lord to do the work, and he does that often. Uh, on the prayers of the saints. And so let us pray for these children continually. Um, You know, God gives us clear commands to parents to pass on these things in Scripture that we see that are so important. Uh, And this church, parents, is your faith family. 
you have a family that's by blood, by marriage, but you have a faith family, and that's this congregation that you've chosen to be a part of. And we do this by supporting you and praying for you today and promising to equip you as parents for this task. You're not alone. You don't ever have to be alone no matter what you're going through. We understand and we will be there for you no matter what that means. We will walk with you. We will be there in the good times, the difficult times, and all of them. We want to be with you in fellowship, service, and witness as a total family unit, as, a, as the, the faith family that God has given us. And we want to be the best friend that a parent can have in bringing up their child. Uh, we cannot be the parents of these children, although many of us would love to do that, right? Uh, but we will be the best friend you can have as we try to walk with you and equip you and just be there as these children grow up. And it happens so fast, as we all know. We want to be there available for you because in Deuteronomy, we are instructed uh, in very clear instructions. In other places as well, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, we're talk, told about what to do with children and how to bring them up. And so I want to read that for us, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. The Lord says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Parents, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and when you bind them as a sign on your hand, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And all through scripture, we see examples of parents dedicating their children to the Lord. We see that with Hannah, who dedicates Samuel. And she goes to the Lord and prays for a child, receives him, and dedicates him. We see that with Mary and Joseph dedicate Jesus to the Lord in Luke 2. Uh, it's, it's a moment that is very special, but it's not only one moment. It's an everyday moment. It's an everyday moment. When you have the hard times, remember that you've given this child to the Lord, and he has given them to you so that you might love them and bring them up, but they are not ours, as Tracy said. They are the Lord's. So I'm going to ask you to respond to a few vows. We're going to do three or four vows for you, and then we'll include the church and your family and friends in it. So the, at the end of each one of these vows, I just ask you to, to say in response, I do. Here's the first one. Do you dedicate yourself, parents, to wholeheartedly pursue your relationship with God by trusting in the finished, saving work of Jesus Christ and depending on the Holy Spirit to guide and direct your life, knowing that the life you model will shape your children even more deeply than the words you say? If so, say, I do. Do you dedicate yourself to faithfully pursue a vibrant relationship with your spouse, sacrificially loving each other, dating each other, prioritizing each other over your work and children, and seeking help and guidance from your church family to help your relationship thrive, knowing that one of the best gifts you can give your children is a joyful, godly marriage? If so, say, I do. Do you dedicate yourself to actively participate in the church community, investing in people, learning from friends, and using your gifts for the sake of Jesus' kingdom, knowing that your children need input and examples from the church family in addition to your family? If so, say, I do. And lastly, do you dedicate yourself to raise your children with biblical love, instruction, and discipline? Will you take every opportunity that life gives you to diligently teach your children to love the Lord Jesus and observe all that he commanded, knowing that your primary responsibility as a parent is to train your child to be Jesus' disciple? If so, say, I do. With the family and friends, stand up. We've already noted. want to... Look around now at these folks who are here with you on your behalf to love you, care for you, and pray for you that are already connected to you before this time, before you join this church maybe. And then I want to ask the rest of the church to stand up with us.
This is a large part of our faith family. And uh, I'm going to ask all of you now out here to respond to this vow. At the end, you'll say, I will, if you agree. Church, are you willing to take on the responsibility to love, care, and support these parents as they work to pass on their faith to their children, promising to love them, equip them, pray for and with them, supporting by example and involvement in their lives as they work toward this end? If you agree to that, please say, I will. And all of this, remember two things, parents. You will fail. You will break these vows because we are sinners and we need the Lord's grace. And because of his grace, you've been freed from the pressure of being a perfect parent. Sorry, I can't help it. I've been picking up my own children. This allows you to view parenting as a gift and privilege that you can use to worship God and thank him for the work he's done in your life. So when it's hard and they destroy your house, thank the Lord. <laughs> when you stay up late worrying to death, thank the Lord. Secondly, it's Christ's perfect life, death, and resurrection that has the power to save your kids, not you. Your parenting will include both successes and failures, and the successes are evidence that God is working in and through you. The failures give you the opportunity to repent, rejoice in God's forgiveness, and change. You can use both to point your kids to the saving work of Jesus. Let us all pray together and continue in prayer for these families and all of our children as we dedicate these children and these parents, these families to the Lord. Father, we ask you now that you would Work in us and through us to be examples, but to also be the, the voices of truth as we speak in grace and kindness of your truths and especially of your gospel of Jesus Christ, your son, given to us because we need him every moment of our lives. Lord, we thank you for the gift that you've given us in Jesus, who once was a baby like these. And we thank you that you brought him up and took care of him and took him to the place for which you had already determined he would be on Calvary. And Lord, we know you've planned lives for these children that will not be what we expect in so many ways. We ask, Lord, that you would guide us, that we would help to walk with these families, and that, alone, Lord, through it all, you would receive the glory for these children, and that you would guard them from the enemy, that you would protect them from the evil one, and that we would see these children grow up to be warriors for the sake of the glory of your name and for the fame of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we ask and pray these things. Amen. Thank you, families. We're going to enter into a time right now where we're going to ask our, our folks to take up our offering to come on down to the front. If you're a guest with us, uh, I want to let you know that we don't expect anything from you today except maybe that little card in front of you and the, the seat back that says, Welcome Home. We'd love to have an opportunity to, to reach out to you to tell you that we are so glad you're here with us, that we are uh, glad that you're willing to worship with us, whether it be because you're visiting these children and families and being here for the special day, or whether you're just here visiting for the first time or the 10th time, we're glad you're here. But all we want from you is that welcome home card. This is a time when our regular attendees, our regular members, we give of our, of our first fruits that God has given to us as a way that we get to be a part of the kingdom work. And so we're going to pray over that, that God would multiply what we give. He doesn't need it, but we ask him to use it for the sake of his glory, for the sake of his, his name going forth among the nations, and that we would just see it multiply and get to be a part of it to rejoice with him. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what we are about to give to you. We thank you that you have given so graciously to us. 
by giving us careers and giving us a faith family and ultimately by giving us Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you've given us. We ask now that you use what we give back to you for your glory, for your kingdom's sake, that the name of Jesus might be proclaimed in all the reaches of the earth so that you would send him back for us soon. So, Lord, we ask that you do that, and we just thank you for letting us be a part of it, and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, 12th Street. Here are your announcements for this week. VBS is coming up June 3rd through the 7th. If you would like to volunteer or if you need to register your child for VBS, please go online to 12th.co. There's still plenty of time to sign up for our family mission trip, which will be June 15th through the 22nd. Be on the lookout for an upcoming meeting with payment information and other questions you may have about the trip. We'd love for you to come and join us. That's all the announcements I have for you today. If you have any further questions, please check the handout you got when you walked in this morning or call Miss Karen at the church office. This morning we will conclude our sermon series, Finding Freedom, as Pastor Thomas preaches on the fact that this gift we have been given is a lifetime guarantee. Now, please watch this short video as we prepare our hearts for the message the Lord has for us this morning. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, His blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all of our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making, and set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything will be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven and everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Jesus and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us had designs on us for His glorious living, part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This seal from God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything that God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. Come and join us for Finding Freedom, our Easter series here at 12th Street. Come and be set free. You guys ready to get in the Word? Good. Let's look in your Bibles in the book of Ephesians. I'll let you have a minute to get there. Ephesians chapter 1. If you would turn in your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to hook you up with one of those. Let us know on a little card that you have a need. We'd be glad to give you one of those so you can have for your own study time at home. Uh, We'd like to thank you for being here with us today. We're going to be finishing up this series that you saw just in Finding Freedom. And uh, we're talking about the lifetime guarantee that we have because of Christ Jesus. We've been talking about finding freedom from our enslavement to sin, freedom from our own abilities to try to win ourselves into the grace of God. And we're going to finish it up today by looking at the end of Ephesians chapter 1, 
verses 3 through 14. In fact, we're going to cover that whole set in the intro because verses 3 through 14 are really one long sentence in the original language. Uh, In the Greek, it goes all the way through to the end. 3 through 14 is a huge long sentence, and everything is basically coming out of Paul, the author of this, through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus by saying, this is how you be the church, and he starts off by just worshiping God because of what he's done for us, because of what he's secured for us in Christ for our joy and for all eternity. And so I want us to read through that in a minute, but before I do, let me just give you the kind of statement for today that you're going to know already, so it's going to be easy for you to check out, but don't check out on me. You've heard this, I know most of you have heard this statement before in some form or fashion. I want you to be ready to understand it a little bit deeper. In fact, I want you to be ready to wrestle with some things that internally you might not be used to or ready for. I want you to ask the Lord with me before we even read through this text to just guide you and open up your heart and that he would give you the boldness to respond in obedience to whatever he says to us today through his word. So let's pray together one more time and let's ask the Lord to do that before we even jump in. And let me just pray and then we'll give this thesis statement and jump in the word. God, we are unable unable to understand exactly what you want from us all the time, but we do know that on days such as today, when we gather around your word, that you are speaking to us from your word, your self-revelation to us. So we ask that you would impact our minds and our hearts and change us so that we might want more of you, that we might be shaped more into the image of Christ Jesus, your son, when we leave. Lord, I ask that you'd work in our hearts, that you would work through me, one who is a sinner who needs your grace, and that as we all seek after you today from your word, that you would speak to our hearts and change us, that we might live lives that would give you praise and honor. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. The statement I want you to see today from this text before we get going is simply this, so just hear it, write it down maybe, I want you to hang on to it. I want you to think about it throughout our time together. It is this statement. Your salvation, your salvation, your personal salvation can only be secured by God. It can only be secured by God. Now, you may think, I already know this. I've got that. Good. I can check out. But let me tell you, there's some things that I'm going to ask you to to ponder today. I'm going to ask you to check your heart on today that might really push you a little bit in your understanding of this. It might be something you've heard a lot. You might line up with all this theologically, intellectually, but you may not really be living this out in the way in which God wants you to change today. And so be ready for God to move in you. And when he does, respond immediately by dealing with the Lord. You don't have to wait to the end of our service. You don't have to wait until you get home. You deal with him as soon as he pierces your heart with the truth of the gospel. In fact, let's let's back up a little bit, and let me just start in verse 3. I want us to understand that your salvation, when I say salvation, I mean your being brought into the family of God when you otherwise are estranged from the family of God because we are created in the image of God to be a perfect reflection of his goodness, of his glory, of his, of his majesty, of, of his morality, all those things, and yet we fail continually. The scriptures say that we fall short of that glory of God. And so therefore we need to be brought back into good reunion with God, a good relationship with God, and we need that to be done in such a way that we are declared good. And yet we can never, ever hit that mark. The mark is too high. We're to be perfect in all ways if we're to be back in that relationship. And so for God to do that for us, to do it on our behalf, which you've heard before, he's done it in Jesus, it requires a sacrifice on Jesus' part, the one who is fully God yet became fully man, to be brought 
before the Lord in a sacrifice where all of our sins, all of our inabilities, all of our failures, all of our strivings that never make the mark, that all those would be laid upon his shoulders and he would be under the wrath and condemnation for it instead of us. And this should lead us to worship the one who loved us so much that he would give us his one and only son. And that's where Paul breaks off here in verse 3. Look at it with me in verse 3 of chapter 1 and his letter to the church at Ephesus. Listen, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I know we've been harping on this for several weeks. We had an interruption with a, a different sermon series in between, but we started on this a while back. And I want you to be reminded of this, church, and those that are new. This is something new for you, maybe, but listen, this is all throughout Scripture. It's everywhere. When you start to see it for the first time, it's everywhere. Look what it says again in verse 3 when it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Look how many times in this passage as we read it that he's the one blessing us. It's not that, that we're doing much for him. It's that he's doing so much for us. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Look, our salvation can only be secured by God. And now we're about to see all the ways in which this happened through the triune God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all working together to bring us into an eternally grateful position with him where we see that he's adopted us into his family as sons and daughters if we put our hope in Jesus. Look what it says, verse 4. Even as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In other words, that God chose us before he ever started creating the world. That he chose that we would be brought into his family. That he chose us. He's talking to those that would be believers in Christ. Today you may think, well, I'm not a believer in Christ. And you know what? You may not be yet, but if you're here today, there's a reason why you're here. Why would you be here to hear these things if God had not set forth that you would be here in this place? He is sovereign over all things. And yes, you decided to be here today, but he set forth that you would. The Old Testament talks about how God plans every step, puts one foot in front of the other, although we plan our path. He puts one foot in front of the other and carries us in the direction he wants us to be. And so you're here today to hear this message that if you are here today, he chose for you to hear this, that in him, if you become a believer in Christ, you've been chosen before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy and blameless before him. The problem is that we're not. We're not holy and blameless. We are full of blame. We are full of inability. And so that in Christ, he made a way. Look, in love, verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. In other words, he determined that he would adopt us into his family and make us sons and daughters before the foundation of the world. That's because he has to overcome our sinfulness. It does not sound good to ears that like to be our sole owners, right, of ourselves. But we are so unable to earn our way to him that he set forth that he would adopt us as sons and daughters. Through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, who is Jesus. This is where we picked up this new series started this last couple of weeks. Verse 7, in him, or in the beloved, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. In other words, that through God's work, by sending Jesus to be one of us, to live the life we cannot live, to die the death that we deserve because of our sinfulness, that he died that death for us, and then he rose in victory over Satan, sin, death, and hell, so that we could be ushered into the family of God, that he paved the way for us, that he made it possible. Therefore, we've been redeemed 
redeemed from our enslavement to sin and our enslavement to the condemnation that goes along with it. Now we've been brought into the family of God because of what God the Son has done for us in our place. The one who's perfect, who doesn't deserve it, who died in our place so that we could be brought into that family and be his brothers and sisters. But the Father would give his Son. I love a lot of you guys, but I don't know if I would give any of my kids for you, right? These parents up here would say no. We all would. But that's because we can't love like the Father loves. He loves us so much that he would give us his son. It goes on in verse 7 again. In him we have redemption through his blood. That means the forgiveness of our trespasses, the forgiveness of our sins. We've been redeemed or purchased by his sacrifice through his blood, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, which is this, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Here it is, to unite all things in heaven and things on the earth, to unite all things in him. In to reunite, to bring it back to where it was meant to be in him, under his authority, under his glorious grace and love for us, that he reunite us back with the Father through his work on the cross because he purchased us through his death by his sacrifice so he could have us to be his. It says in Scripture that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Because he wanted you, he loved you so much, and you bring him so much joy to have you that he set forth to do that for us. And then we lean into where we are today in the text, verse 11 through 14, specifically 13 and 14. Listen, in him, in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And that part we looked at last week, that in him we've obtained an inheritance, actually means we've been allotted a portion. We've been allotted an inheritance. And it could even be seen that we are saying that God has made us his portion. That we are his inheritance because of what Jesus has done for us. The Greek kind of goes either way there. In him we have been allotted a portion or an inheritance. Who is Jesus, ultimately we see. Verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. That's the second time it says that. Verse 6, then verse 12. So that we would be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, here we are for this week. In him, in Jesus, you also, he's talking to all the believers at the church at Ephesus. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. I can say it again. In him, in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, in Jesus, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So to understand this, we need to dig in a little bit, right? So let's look back at verse 13. Let's understand some of the words here. It says, in him, if you are in Jesus, if you abide in Christ, if you've been made his, if you love him because he first loved you, if you live your life for his glory because he lived and died for you, if you are walking with him, whether you will also fail at times, but continually you draw back to him as he draws you back and as he shows his grace to you continually over and over again, you are his. If you're in him, 
If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, a follower of Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So what is that? It's that gospel we've been talking about, the good news that Jesus died for you as the church and individually as persons, that he died for you on the cross in your place to bring you into his family, that he overcame the condemnation that would have lasted for all eternity under the wrath of the Father because of our sin against a holy, eternal God, and that he died for us, taking it all down on him at once. And on the cross, in the end, he said, it is finished. It's completed. The wrath is gone. And now when he sees you, and the Father sees you. He doesn't see you as one who is sinning, who is, doesn't match up to the mark, the bar, which is set so high that it reflects his goodness, his glory. He sees the glory of Christ when he looks at you instead of your sin or your inability. He sees the ability that was fully fleshed out in Christ on the cross, in your place, so that you can be brought into the family of God. That's what he's talking about. When you heard that, look verse eleven, verse sorry, 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of your salvation, when you heard that and believed in him. So it's two parts here, right? In order to get to the point where you understand that your salvation can only be wrought and bought by God, until you get to that point, you have to first understand that you have to hear it, and then you have to believe in him. Not just believe in the truth, but believe in him. So what does it mean to believe in Jesus to the point at which you're sealed by the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? Because it says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our inheritance. So how do you know if you're there? How do you know if you really believe that way? Here, here's the issue. Too many of us, too many of us have put our faith in things that are not the Savior. We put our faith in things that are not the person of Jesus. We put our faith in our religion. We put our faith in our morality. We put our faith in a prayer. We put our faith in a baptism. We put our faith in something other than in the Savior himself, a person. And so what does it mean to believe in him? That's a really important question because if we get that wrong, we get everything wrong. If we don't really believe in him, the way the scriptures mean by that word pistuo in the Greek, the belief word we use, and if I asked several of you in this room to, to identify what it means to believe, I would get several different nuanced answers. Because there's so many different ideas about belief in our culture and in the world around us. So what does it mean to believe? Let me go to one of those uh, books that nobody ever wants to pull off the shelf in a pastor's office, right? A Greek lexicon. I give a definition of what they say that it means. Those who are the scholars, the academics. It's like the Websters of the theological world, Right? They say to believe in this sense for this particular passage means to entrust oneself to an entity in complete confidence, belief in or trust with implication of total commitment to the one who is trusted. That's a big definition. I'm going to say it again. To believe in means to entrust oneself to an entity in complete confidence to believe in or trust with implication, listen, of total commitment to the one who is trusted. To total commitment. That doesn't mean that you give him the best you've got on Sunday morning. It doesn't mean that you give him what you think he deserves on Tuesday morning at your Bible study or at your prayer time. It doesn't mean, it means total commitment. Everything. Totally surrendered. All in. All the time. Totally committed. 
They go on, in our literal God and Christ are objects of this type of faith that relies on their power and their nearness to help, in addition to being convinced that their revelations or discourses are true. In other words, what he's saying is, it's not just about beliefs, it's that too. It's not just about believing the truth, because even the demons believe, Scripture's telling us. You can believe things about God and not be a follower of Christ. You can say that you know who he is and bow before him at times and not really be a follower of Jesus, not believe in this way. It means total commitment, that he is the God of all things in your life. He is the one who is the king over all, and you're a subject willing to serve him because he came and served us on the cross. That's what it means to believe. Go back and look at that verse again. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of your salvation, and believed in him, totally committed, given over to him completely, whatever he wants, whatever he calls you to do, whatever he says to spend your money on, whatever he says to do tomorrow or the next day with your life, with your retirement, with your inheritance, with your kids, with your family, with your careers, whatever he says, yes, Lord, is the answer. To believe in him. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, then you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, which means when Jesus comes back, or when we go to be with him at death, to the praise of his glory, again, to his worship, right? Listen, let me, this Christian life is harder than you've been taught for many of you. Let me explain what I mean by that. You're never going to earn your salvation. So you don't just let go of that if you think that's the way you're going to get there. But it is hard work to walk in this faith. The scriptures are replete with it. It almost feels like it's paradoxical. In fact, it is like a paradox in the way it talks about it. But it is not, it is not against one another in these things. Listen, here's some things the scriptures say. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Or Revelation 2.10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That sounds tough, doesn't it? Be faithful unto death, and then I'll give you the crown of life. Matthew 7.13-14. Jesus talks about those who find the way and those who don't to eternal life. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. It is difficult to walk this walk. Listen, let me, I'm going to give you three kind of statements here. And the first two are going to be negative, and the last one will be the positive side, okay? I have a bunch of little subs real fast with it, but here you go. The first one, your salvation cannot be secured by the amount of good things you do relative to the bad things you've done. You're saying your salvation cannot be secured by the amount of good things you do relative to the bad things you've done. It's not like a scale system where you just tack on more and more good to outweigh the bad. It's like our judicial system, which even though they have that as a symbol, is more like you do one bad thing, that's enough to condemn you to punishment. You understand? To go against the king one time is beheading, eternal condemnation. So don't put your hope in your morality, brothers. Don't put your hope in your abilities. 
Your salvation cannot be secured by your morality. Your salvation can only be secured by God himself. So put your hope in him. No matter what you think you can do to earn it, you can't do enough. And the beautiful thing is he's already earned it for you on the cross in Jesus, his son. So put your hope in him. Listen, we actually need to be redeemed or freed or saved from our righteous deeds. Right? Isaiah 64. Isaiah says, we have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. That word polluted garment is a really nice phrasing for the Greek. It's talking about menstrual rags. That our righteous deeds are like that before the Lord. That's how great they are. We all fade like a leaf in our iniquities or our sin, it says, like the wind, take us away. All of us. That's every single one of us. To understand that our best will never match up. We can never attain it. Romans 3, 10 through 12. You see, that's Old Testament. Here's some new, right? As it's written, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. That's why you may say, well, I'm here today. I'm listening to this. Yes, you know why? Because he chose you before the foundation of the earth. He predestined to adopt you into his family because he loves you so much. He wants to overcome your sin for you. And so now that he has done that and you see that truth as he speaks the truth to you, that in Christ you've been redeemed, you then turn to him as he says, look, this is the offer. I gave my life for you. And he, now you see that truth. It's because he led you to this point because he set it up before the foundation of the earth. Do you have to do something in it? Do you have responsibility? Of course you do. So turn and believe in Jesus and not in self. Turn and believe in Jesus and not your morality. Turn and believe in Jesus and not your religion. Turn to the one, the Savior, the person, the Christ, the one who can bring you to good. Your salvation can only be secured by him, not by your morality. Listen to this. Stepping into some holes, right? Maybe on some toes along the way. Your salvation can only be secured by God not by the words you whisper in a prayer. Does God save people who pray? Sure. He certainly does. But does God save everyone that prays a certain prayer? No, he does not. You can make somebody feel like they're going to experience the worst thing in the world and give them an out by saying, if you just pray this prayer, you're going to be okay. That's not anywhere in the scriptures. In the scriptures it says, repent, turn from your sins, turn to the Lord and believe on him. Totally given over, we've learned. That's what it says. So if today is a day where you've, you've, you know, a long time ago you prayed a prayer, but you've not seen God working in your life, you don't have a real relationship with him, then don't depend on some prayer. I heard it over and over again growing up. In this community, not in this particular church, in this community, I heard it over and over again. Just, man, write down in that Bible the day you prayed that prayer, and when the devil comes and tempts you or you have doubt, run back to that and show that date to the devil or look at it yourself and find hope that you've been saved because you prayed that prayer that day. No, brothers and sisters. No, you don't, you don't put your hope in something that happened that far back. You put your hope in that you're in his arms right now. Because if you were there then, you'll be there now. You'll be there now. This is Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And Jesus says in Matthew 24, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. You can't just put your hope in Jesus 10 years ago, and that means that you're good. If you really believed in him, you would be fully committed even now. Here's some good news. You say, well, I wasn't maybe then because I haven't been lately. That's okay. Today, repent and believe in Jesus. Put your faith and hope in him. Not in a prayer 10 years ago. Put your faith in a person who is Jesus, who wants to be with you every step of the way. By his Holy Spirit, sealing you, putting that that mark on you that says mine. That he holds you, the guarantee of your inheritance. Put your hope in him. If you're in Christ, you've been sealed with the same seal the Father even set upon the Son, the Holy Spirit. Listen, John 6, 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. As the Holy Spirit descended on Christ, he has descended upon you. The same seal, the same one, says you are his. And nothing could take that away if you are his. Therefore, put away falsehood, later on in Ephesians we see. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, Ephesians 4.30, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve him. Turn to him. Listen, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you on the cross. Brothers and sisters, if you're really his, you'll know so because you'll be fighting your sin. You'll be fighting to be holy. Listen, Colossians 1 21 and on, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed, listen, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Or... Hebrews 12, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. He's like, you don't earn it, but if you're his, you'll be striving for him because you'll want to love him back because he first loved you. That's how it works. He loves you first. Now just love him back. And if you don't love him now, what makes you think you'll ever love him then? Jesus makes it clear in John 17, he says, the eternal life is knowing the Father and the one whom he sent. That's Jesus. That's now. You know eternal life now if you know Jesus. It's not when you get there. We have to fight as though our life depends on it. Fight the sin. Fight the good fight. And then rest in the finished work of Jesus. We need to strive for holiness. Kill the sin, as Owen says, lest it be killing you. Strive to defeat the sin by running to Jesus and putting your hope in him and striving to, to put your, your resting on his feet, on his ability, on his work, on Calvary continually over and over and over again. Not because you earn it in doing that, but because you are loving him back. And that's where you get your assurance of salvation. You may have come in here today thinking, maybe I'm his, maybe I'm not. I'm telling you today, it doesn't matter if you weren't before or if you are. I mean, it's good if you were, right? Bad if you weren't. But right now, it can all change for you if you put your hope and faith in Christ right now. And if you've been doing that for a long time, every day you wake up, Lord, I need you. Today's another day. Every hour we need you, right? Every moment we need him. 
Our salvation can only be secured by him. So why don't we fight for our joy in Jesus and rest our hearts on the Holy Spirit's seal in our life. Look at that text. In him we've obtained an inheritance. Verse 11, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. If you're not being to the praise of his glory at times in your life right now, then you are not his, according to Scripture. If you're not loving him because he first loved you, then you're not his. But today you can be. And today you can be sealed by the Holy Spirit who secures you in him, in Jesus. You also, when you heard the word of truth, I'm going to shape it. When you hear the word of truth like you've heard it today. The gospel of your salvation, the good news that Jesus came and lived the life you cannot live and died the death that we all deserve so that we can be brought into the family of God. When you hear that and you believe in him, totally giving yourself over to him like he totally gave himself over for us. When you do that today, in this moment, you can be his. Today is the day of salvation. Come to the Lord. Find freedom from your sin. Find freedom from death. Find freedom from hell. Find freedom from earning your way. You don't have to do it. He's done it all for us on the cross. Give yourself to him today. Do not leave this place and risk your eternity. Do not run to the Lord now. Do not wait for another opportunity that may not come. Turn to him today. For he is calling to you today through this word even now. He is the guarantee of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit that will seal you the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Eternally guaranteed of your inheritance to have God himself for all eternity and him to see you as the one who loves you more than all of creation, that he would give his one and only son for you, who's worth more than all of us put together. Man, give yourself to the one who has given himself like that for us. For it is a good choice. It is a good option. It's the only right thing to do. And it's the only one that will have dividends for the rest of eternity. Do not put it off. Put your faith in him today. He's beckoning you through his word. This gospel, this word of truth that you're hearing right now, he's saying, come to me. For I love you and I have what's best and I want you to have me, which is the best for you. And then he will guarantee that inheritance until you acquire possession of it. To the praise of his glorious grace. To the praise of his glorious grace. Lord, we ask today that you would receive all the glory for all of this. We know that we cannot, but you have already done it in Christ Jesus, your son. So we ask today that you would work it into our hearts, that you would change us more into the image of Christ. I pray, Lord, today that as though some might be here that don't know you, that you would awaken them. That they have heard your word, they've heard your good news about Jesus. We ask that you would bring them to life, that they would turn and repent. And only by your power can that happen. And only by your power can they be secured for all eternity. And Lord, because of your power, because you determined before the foundation of the world to give that to us in Christ by your spirit, we thank you and we praise you. And may our lives be spent for your glorious grace day in and day out for the rest of eternity. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Jesus in whose name we pray and ask these things. Amen.